Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. On this episode of Big Boys Don't Cry, we discuss the film The Prince and Me. You don't have to have seen the film to enjoy the podcast, but if you do listen without having seen the film, just be aware that we may spoil the plot for you. Enjoy. What on earth is that noise? <laughs> it's just a little uh, little duck that got into my room. Sorry. Ah, that is always a danger. It is the season of duck attacks. Duck hunt. Yeah. I've been playing exactly. a lot of duck hunt recently. See, I'm feeling under threat from an animal as well, because I've got a cat perched right behind me. <gasps> Have you? Yeah, which is quite scary. This is your cat, um, right? This isn't just any cat. This is my cat. No, no, it is my cat. Can you... Oh, I see, she, yeah. Yeah, so she's just perched there, and she's giving me a funny look every so often. Yeah, she's looking kind really look menacing. That, yeah, I mean, she is the most terrifying creature in the world. <laughs> Definitely not a tiny fluff ball. It's, well, but, um, is it not possible to be both of those things? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, it's always the ones you least suspect. Mm-hmm. Or the ones you most suspect like lions yeah yeah although yeah my my cat's got some lion in her i think she's lazy can you get them tested for like lion dna (laughs) you probably could do i don't know i think cat owners are generally less fussy about heritage than dog owners like you know those adverts that you get on the tv where it's like trace your heritage and find out all this stuff by giving us a dna sample and you'll be happy and you'll be frolicking like this person and this old man playing golf is your granddad probably and he loves you. They should do those, but for cats. How much apex predator do you have in your idiot fairy child? <laughs> yeah, exactly. There'd be a, an advert with like lions sweeping majestically across the plains and then just <laughs> and lying then down. Cutting back to just a lazy house cat. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think cat owners in general care less about um bloodlines unlike dog eugenicists who care about things like pedigree <laughs> you're, you're, you're not a real dog unless you have a multitude of health problems says the kennel club yeah unless your ears don't work yeah you can't you can't breathe your ears can't work all of your organs must be on the brink of failure all because of inbreeding and if that's not the case you're not a real dog if the, if crufts has taught me anything that's what it's taught me and Crunch. speaking of inbreeding, our movie <laughs> we this week. Quickly. <laughs> our movie this week is about a royal family. Yeah, we wanted to pay tribute to Prince Philip, who is dead. R.I.P. Prince. R.I.P. Good night, sweet Prince. We're a couple of weeks <laughs> late on this because that's how we, we roll. Are, we are. The news cycle has moved on. I know. It's all about Boris Johnson's flat and his curtains and whatever. Yeah, but Boris Johnson has done. One of the less appalling things that he's done throughout his career, <laughs> yet this one might be the one that causes more furor than the rest. Yeah, everyone's really mad about the fact that he texted Mr. Mr. Dyson, the Hoover man, and not really mad about the fact that he spent 20 to 30 years shafting the poor and vulnerable and writing bullshit columns about the EU that led to Brexit. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, we've got a lot of deaths in this country, and obviously Boris Johnson is not the coronavirus embodied. Have you ever his... seen them in the same room? <laughs> I mean, it's true. It's true. Maybe when he caught coronavirus, maybe it took over a part of his brain. Yeah, um, like that'd some be a kind good of film. Parasite. That would be a good film. Um, but, you know... The, the... We could call it Sorry. Parasite. We could put, call it Parasite. Have you watched Parasite yet? No, I haven't. Oh, get on it. Get on it. It's so good. Um, but But... The laissez-faire attitude of certain countries has seen an obvious growth in the number of deaths in those countries. Um, And lo and behold, it's a lot of the right-wing neoliberal countries which saw uh, dramatic problems with with coronavirus and with COVID. Um, And you know what? That's down to the politicians in charge of those countries. I'm sorry, but it is. It's on your hands. Yeah, of course. 
you bastards. If you look at the countries that successfully managed to contain it um, or keep it out, like, you know, Taiwan, New Zealand, they closed the borders early. They were operating a really good test and trace system that wasn't beset by cronyism. They were properly getting people to properly quarantine and stuff, you know, from pretty much day one. And it took us, what, a year to get to that place? Yeah, and people can talk about the different circumstances in different countries, but actually leadership has a lot to do with how successful these countries are. I mean, just look at America completely failing under Trump and suddenly Joe Biden's in charge and is managing to get a much better grip on on COVID. Yeah. Um, so no, it's not out of the control of the politicians in charge of the country. They're the ones who have the most control. And anyone who says otherwise is a bullshitter. And anyone who says, oh, well, he's just doing his best. Well, there's two options there. One, he's not doing his best at a time where the country needed him to do his best the most, in which case, get the fuck rid. Or two, he is doing his best and he's doing a tremendously shit job, in which case, get the fuck rid. Yeah. If if he is doing his best, his best is shit. Yeah, in which case he should never be the leader of anything. He shouldn't be a leader of his own toy train line, let alone a country. I bet you he has a fuckload of toy trains. I bet he does. He's just saying, That's what the Downing Street Reservation was about. Get on the Boris Express, everyone! (laughs) Yeah, that's what they were putting into the Downing Street flat. Just a bunch of model trains. Yeah, yeah. That's all it was. That's why it was so expensive, because model trains are extremely expensive. Yeah. You seen those Hornby ones? Yeah, Killer exactly. detail on those. <laughs> exactly. That's what Boris goes for. You can't get them in John Lewis. That's why it was all like, oh, no, no. John Lewis for me. I want a, a sofa made out of Hornby trains <laughs> to sit on. Yep. It'll be the most uncomfortable sofa anyone's ever known. But, you know, the the ridiculously rich, like the Johnsons, they don't care about the actual comfort. It's all about the status, isn't it? And so the status of having a Hornby train sofa yeah. outweighs the comfort of having a John Lewis sofa. A John Lewis sofa. I would I would love to have John Lewis stuff. Yeah. That is a dream. It's not cheap. Most people in this country. It's bloody expensive and it's good quality. Um, this this podcast brought to you by John Lewis. <laughs> yeah, friend of the podcast, some, John some and Lewis. <laughs> Little known fact: John Lewis not formed by someone called John Lewis or anything like that, but two people. It's like Hall and Oates as John and Lewis. Right. Okay. I wish there was a shop called Hall Oates. <laughs> yeah, Hall Oates. It's where you you grow grain in a big hall. That's what Hall Oates are. Is a hall full of oats. Yeah, the best porridge comes from Hall Oats. Yeah, I can go for that. Ooh, here he comes. Look out, boy, he'll cook you up. Ooh, here he comes. He's a porridge eater. (laughs) Exactly. Everyone who's rich and powerful eats porridge and loves toy trains. Those are the facts. (laughs) That is truth fact. Come at us, journalists. You know yeah. you can't disprove that. Come at us, The true. Prince and Me, 2004, which <laughs> did not <laughs> feature any of those things. That's how we know that this movie is bullshit, is that it did not include any toy trains and it did not include copious amounts of porridge. Yeah, no Hornby train set chair, which clearly his college roommate, Buzz from Home Alone, would have loved. <laughs> He would have loved it. I'm glad you named him Buzz from Home Alone because that was one of my notes. Is hey, it's Buzz from Home Alone. And I've seen that. I've seen this film. The I've seen The Prince and Me before, right? But I don't remember ever making that collection connection. Sorry, he appeared, and I was like, oh my god, it's it's Buzz, it's him. I was really taken aback. Had you seen this film before? I have never seen it before, and there is a different cameo which took me aback, which is at the beginning. I'm not sure whether you would have got this, because you are a, a soy boy beta cuck who's not into his It's sport. a car man, isn't it? It is Eddie Irvine, former Formula One driver Eddie Irvine. Um, He's a doing... car man driving <laughs> in a car in this stupid film, driving in a car. There you go. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So Eddie Irvine, um, a a good Formula One driver from back in the 90s, uh, had one title challenge one year but didn't get it, was uh, Michael Schumacher's teammate at Ferrari. What's the title challenge? So 
you know how you come top of the table in the sports you like yep that's what a title challenge would be is trying to be number one right but he didn't make it no no he lost to Mika Hakkinen that year right um but he was a very good driver um, well, Mika and- Hakkinen was a member of AHA uh, you know, he 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 spent his off season doing aha, and then spent the rest of the time driving motorsport. Cool. That's yeah. That's uh, that's how it went. Um, it's a close knit community. Uh, musicians from the eighties and uh, and F one drivers. Uh, lots of lots of cross correlation between the two. Um, but yes, Eddie, but yeah, Eddie Irvine was a good driver in the nineties, and turns up in this movie. Uh, for some reason, <laughs> to lose doing the race a, to a prince, doing a street race where he deliberately loses to the prince, and it's funny because the prince is called Eddie. He is called Eddie. Yeah, it's Eddie and Eddie. I would have quite liked it if the movie was about Eddie Irvine and a Danish prince. Yeah, it was basically just the Fast and the Furious, <laughs> yeah. but there's a bit of a thing with Julia Stiles tacked on, but it's mostly men driving cars. Is that what you want? That's what I want. Basically, I want uh, Need for Speed, the movie. Have you ever watched Need for Speed? No, I've not seen Need for Speed. I've not seen Speed. I've not seen <laughs> Need. No, you've seen no movies with the name Speed in the title. No. Um, Need for Speed is based on a video game, very loosely based on a video game. Um, Need for Speed is a long-running racing game series. Uh, that went from I think it started in the 90s if not earlier um, and it continues going to this day and they made a fantastic movie um, starring Aaron Paul um, and Imogen Poots so Aaron Paul from um, from Breaking the Bad the Broken Bad you may know him as the young man in the Breaking Bad and then Imogen Poots from various things uh, and Dominic Cooper isn't it? Our oh, boy yeah. Dominic Cooper. Our and, basi- man. and basically the plot is fast cars go vroom, here's some melodrama and it is <laughs> beautiful. Dominic, um, I wasn't jealous before we met Cooper. <laughs> yeah, That's, and that's he, how I'll always think of him. And he basically plays like, you know those those 80s like ski movies where there's the, the dickhead jock who's like a real scumbag and then the rest of them have to band together to beat them in like a downhill ski race. Hell yeah. Kind of, that, he's basically that, but with big fast cars instead. Um, and so there's this there's this gang of misfits, including Aaron Paul, Imogen Poots, uh, Rami Malek's in it as well. Oh, cool. And um, they're all off to go and do this big street race to beat him. And the best thing is, you want to know his, his character name? What? Dino Brewster. <laughs> what a great character name. <laughs> Hi, um, I'm Dino Brewster. We're watching. We're watching Need for Speed, by the way, because there's sufficient romance for us to watch it for this podcast. Yes. Does um, a man get it on with a car? <laughs> no, but there is romance, and also Rami. Does Malek, a man get it on in a car? Uh, I think so. Yes. Okay. Um, sold. And, and Rami Malek gets gets his bum out. Um, All right. So yeah. So twenty out of twenty movie right there. Need for Speed. If you've anyone who's listening who's not watched Need for Speed, actually go and watch it. It's it's exceptionally good fun. It's really silly, really melodramatic, um, but but awesome at the same time. Uh, I don't know if I could say the same for The Prince and Me though. Unfortunately, I'm not. Sure not much, no, I, I'm not sure how much I enjoyed this movie. I'm afraid. No, I don't know if I did either. I think the first time I saw it, I was like, okay, fine, yeah, watching a rom com, whatever. Um, but. Yeah, this was a good few years ago now, a long time ago, and I just kind of let it wash over me. This time, well, obviously the last time I saw it was before we'd done over over 200 episodes of very insightful film criticism, and I'm a different person now, you know? Yeah, we're we're the big brain boys now. I don't stand for this shit. Um, yeah, I was I was not impressed with this. I'd never seen it before, and obviously, you know, I'm a big fan of Julia Stiles. Um, you're, I know you're a big fan of Lawrence Fox's dad. <laughs> I'm a big fan of Lawrence Fox's dad, um, but um, this is this is not not good. This is not good. 
Unfortunately, oh. it is not. No, and Julia Stiles is great, and she's she's sort of okay in this, isn't she? She's she's doing her Julia Stiles thing. I don't think there's anything where she's like really terrible, is there? Of all the things that I've seen her in, so she's fine. But yeah, it's just weirdly flat and quite odd, quite odd pacing, didn't you think? Yeah, it's that was one of the things that really threw me is that this movie almost feels like um the wills and kate movie in terms of its structure um and i wonder if wills and kate really took a lot of influence from this because it's got a similar thing where you've got the initial romance that happens at a university and then um the final bit of the movie is about her acclimatizing to palace life and so it's really also like the first two thirds almost feels like a movie in itself. And then they kind of tack on what the sequel would have been at the end. And it feels it feels really odd structurally. That's exa- exactly what I thought. Yeah, it was really sort of took ages getting through the first two thirds and then really rushed the last third that could have been a film in and of itself. Or it did that thing where you know, that the whole point of it is she has to fly to Denmark um, to to show him that she loves him or whatever, and then once that's done, that's the end of the film with these kind of films, you know. And that's okay. That's not a bad thing. You don't need to try and flip that on its head or add on a bunch of stuff. Again, they should have saved that for the sequel, but obviously they they the sequel that did get made, the royal wedding, without Julia Stiles, of course. Yeah. So there's been a few movies in this series, haven't they? Julia Stiles did not return for any of them. Um, but our prince man, uh, Luke Mabley, did a return for the first sequel, but then not for the others. Yeah. Um, so then you got two two out of four films where it's completely different people. Yeah, it's like the Sugar Babes. They've just been entirely replaced. <laughs> the Prince um, and Me Babes. Yeah, the Prince and Me Babes. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really strange, isn't it? Because you do have all of this build-up to what would be a traditional rom-com finale where she, you know, they've had that sort of break-up-y moment where they're like, no, I can't be with you, it's too much. And then she realises, wait, no, I've got to go to Denmark to see you. Um, And all of her friends band together and go, look, here's money, we'll get you a ticket to Denmark. And then she goes and they fall in love again. And it's like, okay, that's a good stopping point. But instead they have that whole extra bit where they go oh, you've, you're going to become a queen now and you've changed him and he's he's now a responsible centrist dad who's saying uh, that there's this great... Basically, he acts like how you'd expect a royal to act for the majority of the film, which is a spoiled brat who doesn't have any understanding of the who world around him. Can't sit through a cabinet meeting without farting. Because it's boring and he wants to draw a car. Blur, blur, blur. Exactly what you'd expect from someone born into a situation where they believe that their blood is super superior to the blood of other people around them which is what monarchy is by the way this this podcast is not a monarchist podcast fuck royal families everywhere um royal families are bad they believe they are inherently better than everyone else traditionally historically coming from the belief that they have like in some cases religious blood the power of god behind their bloodline fuck that shit i'm sorry and even in movies fuck off with that bullshit yeah that applies um, to all films apart from A Christmas Prince, that, which exactly. is a classic that I yeah, will hear a, no bad word against. A Christmas Prince and The Princess Switch, yeah. I'm on board with. Because those are in fake nations. It's fine. <laughs> if you if you go to the trouble of inventing a fake European country, go ahead. That's the only place that royalty has. Well, yeah, that, that basically makes it a fantasy story like Game of Thrones, doesn't it? If you've got a... <laughs> You've got a royal family in a made-up country. Um, but yes, anyway, aside from that, fuck, fuck monarchies everywhere in the world. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, he's, he basically goes, oh, I hate I royals. About I hate the Kansas City Royals baseball team. <laughs> I hate royal blood. They're a rubbish band. You know, nothing royal <laughs> is good. Uh, royal blue is a colour. Yep, don't like it. Um, royal blood the band bullshit i oh they're so great the guy there's only two people and the guy's only playing a bass and he's riffing fuck off (laughs) hey look what's wrong with guitars it's death from above 1979 apart from a decade later well done everyone (laughs) yeah fucking ingenious Um, dickheads in baseball caps (laughs) 
I um I enjoyed the first Royal Blood album where they didn't really have any production and it was just some noisy rock music. I was like, okay, that's fine. But then they got big and then everything got overly produced and you're like why what's the point if you're gonna make overly produced music you then need a band around you instead exactly. of just being two people that's exactly um, my issue with it so um yeah first album good after that not so good also monarchies are bad you should be called commoner blood yeah common <laughs> Re- blood rename yourself common blood and i'll i'll, I'll give you a listen and then it'll be fine Royal blood yeah Penny um, Royalty, that's one of Nirvana's worst songs. <laughs> um, what about um, what about things that are sort of part of aristocracy, like Earl Grey or Lady Grey Tea? Yeah, Earl, Earls can all fuck off as well. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, so all of so, that stuff, uh, titles, land, it's all it's all nonsense. So um our our prince in this he's like oh I'm 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 too important and and too young to sit through this important meeting blah 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 um and then he comes back after he's fallen in love and he he does this big meeting and he's like yes I've managed to get the the union to accept lower wages but also the companies to give more wages aren't I a great leader it's like no fuck you give those people the wages they deserve yeah just give the people the money you dick yeah, you fucking asshole. You live in a big old palace. The 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 And the he's all like, fam- Oh, I worked in the deli at college, therefore I know about the plight of the working people. Yeah, that's funny, because I seem to remember the royal family of Denmark sending him off to Minnesota or is it Wisconsin? It, Wisconsin. It's Wisconsin, isn't it? And then they have a yeah. rivalry of Minnesota. Um they they send him off to Wisconsin because he wants to go and have sex with American women. Yeah, he thinks they're going to take their tops off. He's like literally the worst kind of misogynist caricature and then at the beginning of the film and then suddenly that just disappears. Yeah, is it fair to say that this is one of the most horrible main male leads in a movie that we've watched? Yeah. He's like again, he starts off being a misogynist dick and then he becomes just total wet milk. Yeah, he just There's goes, no redeeming he, qualities. He he goes from horrible bastard to a weaker chin than Lawrence Fox. And that's basically it. And that's um, hard because he is kind of like Lawrence Fox in this film because Lawrence Fox's dad plays his dad, the King of Denmark. <laughs> yeah, this. I love the fact that Lawrence Fox could not get a role in this movie playing the son of his own dad. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's the my headcanon is Lawrence Fox goes for every role that's alongside his dad playing as his dad's son. And every time the casting director goes, it's just not believable. Just not yeah. believable, I'm afraid, Lawrence. And they're looking awesome. through the, the test footage and they're like, oh God, look at that chin. <laughs> look at that foot. They'd be like, oh, um, who who cut, who brought Fido Dido in here? <laughs> <laughs> All right, who's the smart ass who put their foot through the hole of a shirt? Honestly. <laughs> I'm going to try and do that. <laughs> I dare you to do that. Take that photo and then every time that Loza Fox tweets, <laughs> just send him that picture. Yep. Well, the London mayoral election's coming up, so I'm sure he'll appreciate that in his darkest hour when he realises he got literally no votes. <laughs> he gets beaten by Count Binface. Yeah, which um, is going to happen. Which, which is going to happen. It's hilarious. Um, so, uh, but yeah, so so he becomes a centrist dad, the prince, and it's like, oh yes, I managed to get this to happen. Oh, I'm such a good leader. While the women, of course, sit on the balcony of the room and watch the cabinet meeting. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, which isn't how Denmark works, for one thing. Um, which, again, is something really strange, is obviously a lot of these movies, they set them in fictional worlds because there's very few places in the world where monarchs have a um, have a, have a major role in the actual politics of the country. Um, and so... And quite rightly, it's very hard to make that into a um, a light-hearted romantic idea. Because, <laughs> I mean, can you imagine someone doing a rom-com about someone falling in love with a Saudi prince? That's probably <laughs> not going to be the most enjoyable film to watch. Yeah, um, because but do, they don't what? even have cabinet meetings, do they? He just goes, "I want to build some shit there," and they build it. Yeah, get rid get of the taxes. There isn't off. any tax anyway. <laughs> 
Um, so yeah, in a, in a place with torture and murder, not probably gonna go too well as a romantic comedy. And equally, if 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 royalty were in charge of the countries that they used to be in charge of, there would be all of that shit going on here. Um, you think that if Prince Charles became president, he wouldn't immediately start beheading people? Prince Charles? Yeah. No. He's he's wet milk. He wouldn't behead anyone. He would 100%, if he was given absolute authority over the UK, he would immediately ask for Nicola Sturgeon to be beheaded. Prince William, on the other hand, he's got the cold, <laughs> dead eyes of a killer. <laughs> as have all his children. <laughs> Um, did you see that the Queen's been given some more dogs, by the way? No, that's nice. Yeah, so so she's been given a couple of um, more Corgi Dachshund crosses, which Yay. I think is very sweet. Um, Those are very cute. Yes, which is nice. Um, but yeah, the Queen, if she was given absolute moral authority, she'd be murdering people left and right. Yeah, she would. That is just, that's the nature of it. So having having it seen as this weird romantic thing that he is going to become a leader of this country and actually have to make decisions that impact on people's lives. No, it's not a good thing that he's taking this responsibility to heart. He should be instituting democracy in this country. I'm sorry. But it is bad. It is bad. Bad movie. Yep. And Julia Stiles, who supposedly is this lovely, caring person who wants to work for Doctors Without Borders, she doesn't give a shit about any of that, does she? No, and that's really weird. It, it's it's really strange how it goes from I'm an independent doctor woman to then for the final half hour her being like oh look at all this jewelry and then deciding no I'm going to become a doctor woman. Yeah, but to be fair, if Miranda Richardson takes you down to the jewelry vault, you got to go to the jewelry vault, right? I mean, you do, but what you do is you then hit Queen Rosalind in the head. No offense, Miranda Richardson. I am a fan. No, of you were work. trying your best for like, what was probably God, three days' she work. Is, she is trying her bloody hardest to make this into a real film, isn't she? Yeah. Um, as we've established on this podcast before, Miranda Richardson is excellent in everything. Um, and no offense to you, but if I was a beautiful princess being taken down to the jewelry vault, I would kneecap you. I would grab that jewelry. I would steal it all. And I would sell it to create a democratic uprising to overthrow the government. Yep. But she doesn't do that because it's the only responsible thing to do. Yeah. If you're faced between, you know, the bloodshed of creating democracy in this fictional Denmark and potentially being ruled by Prince Eddie, you got to go with the bloodshed, surely. Yep. For sure, you, you you gotta you gotta stage a coup. You can't have Prince Eddie running things. No. Why didn't they just make a fictional country? I guess is that like a <laughs> a later on? Is that a Netflix trope? Maybe. Well, no, I don't know. I don't know. It's just it's 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 very odd, isn't it? That it's so it's so grounded in the real world, and you do have those movies where it's like the president's daughter, um, a present or, for the president. A present for the president, exactly. The greatest of our our fictional movies. Um, uh, yeah. Opposite Day. That's another <laughs> gotta save day. the president movie. But again, it's it's different when it's within the moral understanding of what people would actually want to see from these positions of power. So, like, if it's a fictional country, like Belgravia, for instance, um, yeah, fine, okay, the the monarchy in that country can do stuff because it's a, a made-up country where everything's perfect and it doesn't matter that they've got a, a, a monarchy in place. Um, I think the Aldovian the- people would have something to say about that. So maybe they would maybe they would um but then the moment that you take it that step more into realism is the moment that it becomes a little bit weird um where like you've either got to do something where the, the the monarch has no power whatsoever such as the entirely true story of wills and kate the movie where everything that happens in that is is categoric fact to what happened between william and kate I will not hear anything otherwise. That yep. movie is is a it's a documentary. Of, it is, yeah. Of the, the actors did such an incredible job that you don't even realise that they are not Wills and Kate. Um, but when it's that weird hybrid of like here's a fictionalised version of a real world place, 
it just becomes a little bit strange, doesn't it? Yeah, it it's really odd. And there are a few, a couple of scenes where, like, of course, the the royal family is like parading through the streets of of Copenhagen because that's what royals do. And then oh, he just like he picks her up on the horse because he's just seen her. And then he goes to do the ceremonial opening of par- Parliament, and then he just buggers back off again. That's not how that works. No, 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 exactly. That's um, that's that's. I mean, maybe that's maybe that's how it works in fictional Denmark. Who knows? Yeah, but really, yeah, he'd have been like, oh, sorry, I'm a bit busy right now. Can I call you after? Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm in the middle of doing princely stuff. Yeah. Um, but but there are there are some fun moments of this. I think when it when it dives into the politics of fictional Denmark is when it's at its weakest. But I there there are some bits that work better. So when when it's the prince trying to navigate the difficulties of being a normal human being, um it's slightly more cohesive and slightly more enjoyable as a film. Um, like how he doesn't know how to use the turkey slicer machine. Uh, yeah, I don't know how to cut meat. I don't know how to do laundry. Yeah. Um, what is at, turkey? At, at this point, though, this has been a little while before we see him doing his laundry. So does that mean that he's just been wearing a new outfit every day? Or does it mean that he's been wearing the same outfits over and over again and he's reeking like a traditional royal where, you know, they used to sew people into their clothes and then unsew them every six months to have a bath? Did they actually used to do that? Yeah, yeah, that that was ye middle ages way of doing things. You used Lovely. to every so often. I don't think it was every six months, but they'd like sew you into your stuff and then every so often you'd get taken out of them, have a bath and then then clothed again. But so it had a, it has a flap so you can do a poo, right? Uh, no, no. Henry VIII just shat himself every time. Oh, right, yeah. That makes you sense. Know, you, you could you see s- it in his face. <laughs> you see you see those pictures of him where he looks really bulky and you think, oh, he must have put on a lot of weight. No, that's just excrement <laughs> building up inside the suit that he's sewn into. His big old poo-poo suit. <laughs> his big poo-poo suit. That's why he was so angry. That's why he killed so many of his wives. Yeah. Uh, he, he was constantly surrounded by his own feces. Um, again, true historical facts here. That's why people turn to big boys don't cry. Yeah. For, and we're British, so we know. <laughs> we if know. the prince and me <laughs> does, doesn't show it, you know, unlike like most films that depict royalty, everyone who's royal is British. Even a <laughs> Danish just, prince is a British a, man somehow. Even a Danish prince is British. Question. Even the was, king of Aldovia, he's why, British. Why was Mads Mikkelsen not cast as the prince in The Prince and Me? <laughs> he would have been so good. I don't. I don't care what age he would have been when this was made, or I mean, at least this, as the the handler, the misanthropic handler man played oh, by in, Ben inst- Ben fucking ben Miller, Miller. <laughs> who yeah. you know to be fair is really trying, and I think he was actually one of the more enjoyable elements of this film. Oh yes, yeah, he's got that kind of character nailed down, doesn't he? Um, he had a few he, sassy lines that were quite enjoyable. Yeah, he's got that sass. He's the exasperated uh, assistant, basically. Yeah. He does a he does a perfectly crumulent job here of being the the the, the sassy assistant. Um, but yeah, Mad <laughs> Mads Mikkelsen in that role because this movie must have come out around the same time as Casino Royale. Yeah, two thousand and four. So it's yeah, just before I guess. Yeah, yeah. That so was what two thousand five. It was something Royale? like that, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. So get get Mads Mikkelsen in to to be in this. That's what we want remake it hashtag restore the mickelson cut of the prince and me. <laughs> did, this, did this film seem sort of weirdly old and really dated to you even oh, yeah. though it's not from that long ago i just thought about it because you said you mentioned casino royale and to think that there's only a couple of years or a year or two between them that's wild because that film was really was really good and like fun and technical obviously it's a completely different genre but the idea that in filmmaking they were still making sort of off cuts like the prince and me yeah, it's weird. Yeah. Maybe it's partly because I paid the princely sum of 99 pence to watch it on Amazon Prime in standard definition. But <laughs> You were expecting something magnificent for that money. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I think that I, I this this movie feels like something from the 1990s. You know, this this almost feels more dated than 10 Things I Hate About You, I'd say. Oh, 100%. Um it's not got that same rebellious um, attitude. It feels very, very 
uh, conservative in its approach in the way that you know uh, early 90s rom-coms would feel you know it's it's not even on par with when harry met sally in terms of having a cheeky attitude um and and so you're right it does feel dated and and yes they're different they're different genres of movie but this is much more static much more reserved yeah the the attitude um, is bullshit it spends an hour and 40 minutes telling you you should want to marry a prince he's a sexy prince and then at the end like just for literally the last 20 seconds of the film it's like oh yeah but you can you can also be a successful woman and have it all okay bye yeah it it goes between doesn't it of of initially it's i don't need a prince then it's oh i really want to marry a prince and then no i will become a doctor and then i'll marry a prince yeah i mean to be fair that's the message we should be be telling our children isn't it is that hey you should be able to live a a luxurious life and be fulfilled yeah for sure in your daily endeavors everyone deserves a prince Come to Britain. We've got a prince for you. There's one on every street corner. (laughs) You can have it all. This prince is empire of dirt. (laughs) To quote great philosopher Trent Reznor. To quote great philosopher Johnny Cash. (laughs) Uh, I covered a song today. Um, Where do you stand on Cash versus Trent Reznor versions of of hurt you know what i really like both um i think there are merits to both they're very very different um and they're almost i like kind of i wouldn't listen to them together almost because i think they're so different it's yeah johnny cash is reimagining it's a it's a complete rework and i i love it and his his the way his voice is so low and kind of frog-like is just like and it was towards the end of his life that's kind of like how i sound right now i've got this sore throat still yeah, going you're on, very cash like yeah yeah, because because I stand the same way. I think I prefer the Nine Inch Nails version, um, and I think that's partly around the vulnerability of the Nine Inch Nails version, but also where it stands at the end of this very impactful, uh, occasionally very aggressive and violent album, and suddenly you're met with this moment of vulnerability and quiet. I think works incredibly well. Um, but I don't begrudge the Johnny Cash cover either. I think it's a very very good cover version um and and a good cover is a rare thing and we should all appreciate a good cover yeah and obviously obviously as you know it's as you say it's trent reznor's song it's extremely personal and there's nothing that can really touch the original of a song like that but at the same time if you can do a good cover and you can reimagine it then it's a beautiful thing exactly you know we got we got jay cash and t rizzle both of which doing doing a great service with that song T-Rizzle. Um, T-Rizzle. Yeah. Um, unlike Prince and Me, which has nothing. Although there is a reference to music in Prince and Me. <laughs> there is a mention of music. Can you believe it? So did you notice that Buzz from Home Alone, he's got a big old Linkin Park poster on his wall? Yeah, and a Green Day one as well. Although, of course, the weird thing is that they're from Wisconsin, but they make no reference to Static X in spite of the fact that their debut album, Wisconsin Death Trip, had come out at this point. Yeah. Which I think is a massive oversight. I'm sorry. They should have got Wayne Static to appear in that film in the buzz (laughs) roll. Wayne Static should have been... But the the room wasn't big enough for his hair. No, no. Um, But can I just just say, Buzz from Home Alone, he is the best character in this movie. (laughs) Don't touch his Xbox. Don't eat his food. He likes Linkin Park. He likes Green Day. He doesn't like monarchs. He has no time for posh Europeans. A true icon, you might say. <laughs> he is the everyman. Yeah. We are all Buzz. Yeah. <laughs> Little known fact, Buzz from Home Alone in this movie went on to become Bernie Sanders. <laughs> yep. And he's um, once again asking for your financial support. <laughs> to buy more Linkin Park albums and get more Xbox games. Yeah. yeah, he's the best character in this film. And you know that's not a good state of affairs when the best character in your film is one who has the line, dude, there's a chick in our room. <laughs> there's a chick in our room. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but there were bits of this movie that I liked. I love the fact that... <laughs> That, that old old Julia Stars can never escape Shakespeare. She has yep. to. There has to be Shakespeare in everything that she does. Everywhere um, she goes. 
There's always some some. Always take the Shakespeare Shakespeare with you. (laughs) This has been a very musical episode. (laughs) Um, But uh, yeah, so I like that, that they had to shoehorn in some Shakespeare here um, as a reference to, you know, her other other major films. Um, and so also, we know that this rom-com isn't based directly on a Shakespeare play, but don't worry, we'll reassure you that it's still fine and that, like the films that you like that are by quoting some Shakespeare. Yeah, I, I, I think this should have been based on um, Shakespeare because it's got a Danish prince in it and he should have died at the end after a series of inaction. Yeah, Hamlet and me. Yeah, Hamlet and me. Where's Where's the Hamlet rom-com, you cowards? Hamlet where's, goes to college. Where's the Macbeth rom-com, you cowards? <laughs> Is this Wisconsin I see before me? <laughs> oh, I'd love it. Um, yeah, well, you know. So yeah, that just that, felt that like an a... attempt to make the prince seem cultured and romantic, and he just came across as a dick. Yeah, because that's what rich people and princes alike isn't it is they'll be able to quote random shit like shakespeare at you but they don't have the contextual awareness of what it means it's just memorizing it in order to look posh like from jacob rees mogg speaking latin um or or quoting works of art and you're like okay but you have no contextual analysis of this behind you because you're secretly a lizard person with no empathy (laughs) i've been reading a book to my son that's called superworm and the main baddie in it is called the Lizard Wizard, and he always makes me think of Jacob Rees-Mogg. I mean, that's exactly right, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but I mean, that's how this movie should have ended. She should have turned up in in Denmark and then witnessed Prince Eddie unzipping his skin suit to reveal his lizard form underneath. Yeah, he comes back to his his father sleeping ill in the four poster bed, unhinges his jaw. <laughs> And ninjas his jaw and just starts slowly swallowing him whole in order to gain his strength. Uh, and then he turns to Julia Stiles and says, you see, now I am the king. Yeah. And out comes the forked tongue. Um, ben this Miller, is the real life. Can you handle ben, it? <laughs> ben Miller uh, sort of turns up and is like, ah, yes. And now it is my turn to say adieu uh, before he's ripped apart by Miranda Richardson's venomous fangs. <laughs> Now that's a movie I would watch. Yeah, this is my version of The the Prince and Me. Hashtag unleash the Gordon cut of (laughs) Prince and Me, where at the end it turns into this horror movie where Julia Stiles has to run around a a palace avoiding the lizard monarchs of fake Denmark as they try to devour her. and his dad. Lawrence Fox and his (laughs) dad. Lawrence Fox. I mean, this is this is a role that Lawrence Fox could play. I'm sure he could play an effective lizard person because that's what he is. Yeah, exactly. He could just play himself. Just play himself. Just say some bullshit about how free speech is being impinged as he slowly eats yeah. a poor, unsuspecting servant. Yeah. Something is rotten in the state of Denmark. It's me, lol. <laughs> Something smells rotten on my foot face. Um... <laughs> Uh, sometimes I feel bad, but equally I don't. I absolutely do not. Yeah, he can he can sod off as <laughs> they all can. Um, but <laughs> anyway, right. So so yeah. So in our version, we end up with um with with the lizard the lizard monarchs chasing Julia stars around. It becomes a bit like the film Ready or Not, which I don't know if you've seen or not. No, I have um, not. Which is very, very fun. Basically, this woman marries into this rich family and then um, on the day of the wedding, uh, they, play a, they, they play a game um, and the, a game is randomly chosen from this deck of cards and the game they have to play is hide and seek, but it turns out that this family has made a deal with some kind of devil and when someone's entered into the family, if they pull the hide-and-seek card, the rest of this rich mogul family has to then hunt down that person and kill them <laughs> in order to sustain this this deal they've made with the devil. It's really good fun. It's a really great sort of horror comedy. Um, and yeah, that's what this movie should have been for the last half hour. I, mean, I love a film with a deal with the devil. Can't go wrong, can you? You can't go wrong with a deal with the devil in a movie, can you? No. Every time. Every time it works well. Sorry, I was just taking a sip of delicious drink. 
Hey, no problem. I was ju- I was just thinking about doing a deal with the devil. <laughs> what would you make your deal with the devil for? I'd like to have Ben Miller as my sassy servant. <laughs> I would like I would like to make this movie. That's what my deal with the yeah. devil would be. But also, even though Ben Miller says, there's a weird scene, isn't there, where it's like, oh, they've run out of money. <laughs> it's like, he's, he's cut himself off. And he's like, oh, you're getting a paycheck, aren't you? And then Ben Miller just makes a face. So he's not getting paid and he's just hanging around? He's just doing it out of his loyalty to the royal family. Yeah. It's, uh, that's, that's, yeah, that's what we do. That's what we all do in this country. All of us would lay down our lives for um, Prince William. It's the British way. If Prince William came to me and said, look, I need to go to Wisconsin to see some boobs. You you up for it? I'd be like, yeah, sure. I'll follow you around and pretend to be a student. Once Prince Andrew turned up at my door and he said, oh, I like the look of your slippers, dear chap. Give them to me. And you know what? I'm a I'm a I'm a Brit. I believe in the royal family. So I gave him those slippers and I gave him my dinner. Because that's what it means to believe in the royal family. You give them whatever they want. That's just what that's just what we do in 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 Britain. And now and if those you don't slippers... like it, get out. <laughs> now those slippers are far away on an island. <laughs> now now those slippers um, are being investigated by the FBI. They're locked up in a lab. Yeah. Um, getting lots of DNA samples. Um, very strangely, because they're 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 foot samples, they're coming out with lots of uh, Lawrence Fox matches. Um, <laughs> I swear, that, I, I promise that'll be the last time I I I, I make fun of Loza as he likes to be known, old Loza. Sure, it will. He Loza, it. I'm one or, of the lads. I am. I'm Loza. one of the lads. You'll see me drinking a beer because I'm Loza Fox. <laughs> oh, check me out. I'm a cheeky chap. I believe in free speech. You want to go down the pub and say some racial slurs? I've got your back, mate. I'm Loza Fox. <laughs> Tell you what, I'll sell you a, a washing machine. Go down the pub with me. I'm Loza. Yep. Oh. I'll meet you in the pub car park, mate. Never shows up. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's like his, his chauffeur turns up a bit late and he can't make it. Yep. They, dr- they drive past and then he tells the chauffeur just to drive on. And take him to a wine bar. Yeah. It's like, oh, I, that beer did not agree with me, did it? <laughs> um, and speaking of drinking, the, the main prince in Prince and Me gets drunk. And is, makes an is, ass of himself. Is incredibly rude and sexist. And I don't know from that point why we're then meant to root for him at any point in this film. Yeah. He like keeps digging that hole of it. He's a dick. He's a dick. He's a dick. Oh, but they've been thrown together as lab partners. What's going to happen? You at least have to give people a little bit of a kernel of it might be worth changing this person. And it doesn't give you that, does it? No, no. The only thing he's been able to do is do a tractor ride. Yeah. And then get in a fight. Because tractor rides, I mean, we all know that a tractor ride, a tractor race brings the bloodlust out in every man. Yeah. Racing, Racing little tractors. I did enjoy that, actually. I have lost so many friends and family to tractor races, not to crashes in the tractor races, but afterwards the bloodbath that ensues as all of the tractor drivers just start hacking at each other. Um, it's it's a real, real epidemic of violence in Britain, actually, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Especially in Sussex. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, you know, we've lost so many lives. So many families have been destroyed by tractor races um is is that something that happens you're you're more aware of american culture than i am uh, 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 um thanksgiving do they do tractor races in wisconsin well i would assume so yes but i hadn't really heard of it either so <laughs> i cannot confirm it's just it's fascinating isn't it do you, that something like that would happen yeah and that they put it into this movie and since it's in this film i assume that it does happen because I assume that they kind of just. Well, you know, sort of their, their portrayal on... of Denmark was extremely accurate, so we've no I mean, reason was, to believe that they they made an inaccurate portrayal of Wisconsin. No, precisely. They showed people enjoying uh, new metal music. Yep. Um, which obviously is. They showed cheese. <laughs> Show cheese. Isn't it? She's from like a family of dairy farmers. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what everyone says about Wisconsin. It's got great cheese. 
all, all the cheese in America comes from Wisconsin. That's an actual fact. Yeah. Um, from Julia Stars' farm. That's actually where it comes from. That's where she made her money. Yeah, that's how she became a became an actor is through cheese money. Um, yeah. You know, Tommy Tommy Wiseau made his money through denim. Um, Julia Stiles made her money through cheese. Yeah, famous cheese baron Julia Stiles. <laughs> famous cheese baron, exactly, exactly. Um, Dane. Denmark? Denmark. Maybe, maybe that's where this movie was really set. It was not wasn't Denmark. It was Denmark. Um, that would have been good if they'd made it just kind of really thinly veiled. Yeah, I am from Denmark. I am from Denmark. Um, but Denmark has cheese, doesn't it? I assume so. As the, the D- Denmark has has its own cheeses. I think I've had a Danish cheese before. Yeah. Um, so. Um, so yeah, so you know, maybe that's why they fell in love. Maybe he was like, "Oh yes, you must try our Danish cheeses." That's a cheese thing. That's why he wanted to work in the deli. Yeah, maybe that's why he was like, "Oh, I get and get closer, closer to the cheese." He's a bit of a, to the cheese. <laughs> a bit of a cheese pervert. Free cheese. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. He's like, "Oh, all the cheese I can lick." Yeah. So um, the fact that we spent most of this episode talking about cheese. And or we've got we've come to the point of licking cheese tells you that there's there's very little of substance in this film, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. You it's not get... even a shit piece, is it? Because it's a bit dull. Oh no, it's nowhere near a shit piece. It's just boring. Um, there's not really any humour in it, is it? It's sort of for a romantic comedy. It's really quite humourless, isn't it? Yeah, there's no real humour. There's no real romance. Is it a rom com even, or is it just there? It's just there. It's, it's just content for the content farm. Which is a shame, because it's, you know, 2004, they, they invested some money in this and put it in cinemas and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, people, maybe we're out, I mean, obviously we're not the target demographic of this movie, but... Am I out of touch? <laughs> no, it's the... It's the children it's of the Danish who are wrong. that are wrong. Um, but, but, but even for other movies from that time, you know, it still feels incredibly... Um, incredibly out of sync with where you know where movies were going to go. I mean, for instance, Mean Girls came out the same year as this. Yeah. Um, which I know they're not entirely parallels, but it's a similar kind of thing about um, you know, that that kind of romantic comedy space. So it's it's hard to. This feels like a relic, much like every royal family feels like a relic. Yeah, that's exactly right. But I am amazed that they managed to just kind of reinvent this sort of trope for A Christmas Prince and a lot of subsequent films. So, you know, I think we have this film to thank for that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, between 12 and 15 years later, we've ended up with a series of movies about how it's fun to have sex with the royal family. Um, And yeah, it's uh, so at least we've got that. I suppose. But yeah. yeah, other movies that came out this year, you know, like I said, we've got Mean Girls. Um, the Notebook came out this year as well. Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Um, just picking out movies that we've watched. Euro Trip yeah. also <laughs> of course. came out in 2004. Um, and that's also got that kind of goofy college humour, hasn't it? It does, yeah. yeah. Now, Buzz from Home Alone, he would have been a big fan of the song Scotty Does Not Know. He, he 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 would have been. In fact, wasn't his name Scotty? His name was Scotty, exactly. Yeah. He Scotty, doesn't know. Scotty, but he did know. He knew that royal family are no good and you shouldn't let princes near your Xbox. Which I think if we if we can take away one message from this movie, it's that you shouldn't let princes play video games with you. Because they're just going to mech it up. They're just going to ruin your, your high score. You know, I had Prince William round the other day, and he's like, "Oh yes, can I can I play play this game of Halo with you, dear sir?" And you know, as a good as a good Brit, I said, "Of course, of course, my liege, yeah. please." You enter. have to defer to the royal family. That's the I, rule. I I ducked down so he could walk across my back to enter the house, so he didn't get his his shoes dirty on the carpet. Um, and uh, and you know, I I I baked him a fresh loaf of bread as is custom when you meet a royal a member of the royal family um and then he sat there and he he fucked up my halo game and then he took the disc out and said oh i'm not very good at this and he smashed the disc and i said thank you thank you my lord uh for that is what you do 
Um, if the game is not good enough for the royal family, it's not good enough for anybody. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, so I was privileged in that respect. But yes, you don't... I would not recommend letting someone play your Halo game if they come from a royal family because they don't know how to play. No. Same thing with Sonic the Hedgehog here. All he, all he had to do was jump. He couldn't even work that out. No, no, exactly. He he went around every house. This is what he's been doing, by the way. If you if you wonder what the royal family are up to, one of these days he'll turn up at your house if you've got a video game console. But Prince William Joy visits every house in the country, and he's he's trying to learn how to play video games. Um, you know, and he's he's made some progress. Um, I believe that he's managed to keep his Sims alive in the Sims, uh, for more than one day without without setting them on fire. Um, which is good, but there's some things he can't grasp. He can't grasp platformers. Uh, he can't grasp first-person shooters either. People have even tried him on games like Doom, you know, starting him off with the basics. But he, it's something about the the first-person viewpoint I think he doesn't quite understand. Um, yeah. You know, you have to be careful with these people because, you know, they do have noble blood, and, and that noble blood stops them from understanding things. Yeah, it clouds the mind. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um <laughs> So I'm just looking at the sequels now. A prin- the Prince and Me, A Royal Honeymoon. Newly crowned King of Denmark and his wife slash queen, Dr. Paige Morgan, find time to fly to Belavia for their secret honeymoon. This oh, has a fake country. This is what it's all about. Um, they spend just... their Christmas holidays at a ski resort, but as they take a tour of Belavia's natural beauty, Eddie and Paige discover that the evil Prime Minister Polonius has given orders to bulldoze the precious forests to drill for oil. What's so, going to happen? I love the fact that a democratically elected leader is the evil one in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> <By the> way, <laughs> um, I, I'm also now looking at the next movie. I, I suspect the next movie in the list, The Prince and Me, The Elephant Adventure. <laughs> um king edward and queen page fly to fictional sang yoon for the arranged wedding of princess myra who loves instead a humble boy uh, sorry an humble boy um, to, to <laughs> an humble boy <laughs> um eddie and page help but they encounter problems and a royal elephant still though true love prevails um I so, bet you that film is massively racist. So that was the Prince and Me four. So at some point there's a Prince and Me three. Um, no, that was the one I was just talking about. The Royal Honeymoon. Oh, the Royal. The honeymoon. second one is the Royal Wedding, which is probably basically just a Christmas Prince, the Royal Wedding. I assume so. Yeah. Um, then apparently there was also a movie called Christmas with a Prince that came out in 2018. What? So did a Christmas Prince have a knockoff the following year called Christmas with a Prince? maybe it did see if if you're inspiring knockoffs then you know that you're doing the right thing right (laughs) imitation is the sincerest form of flattery exactly exactly um so uh (laughs) have you got anything else you'd like to say about this very bad film um no i don't know that i do it's yeah dated flat slow if you really like julia styles you might get something out of it there's a few moments of intrigue but overall, nah. yeah, <laughs> this is pretty boring. I think that's the main problem, isn't it? It's incredibly dull. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it has that very weird pacing thing where the first two thirds of the film is the film and then the last third is attacked on other film that makes it all feel like a really strange mishmash. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 very strangely um, paced. Um, it's yeah, I would not, I would not recommend this at all to anybody. Um, so, uh, how are we going to, uh, rate this? Let's see. How many tractors were still on the track when you won the tractor race? So I did a really good job of destroying the other tractors as I raced. Um, because as mentioned it's the most violent sport um so there was four tractors left by the time i'd finished good well done yep same same here four tractors yeah this is a bit of a stinker to be fair um it's smelly cheese (laughs) it's a smelly cheese it's a boursin um so yeah stinking bishop (laughs) stinking bishop um so yeah sorry sorry julia styles we do like you and we appreciate you but this was not a good film, I'm afraid. Um, so up next, 
um from me i was incredibly tempted to choose um the uh prince and me for elephant adventure um <laughs> but i decided against it partly because i assume it's going to be incredibly difficult to track down you know over 10 years after a made for tv movie came out yeah um so instead uh a movie has recently come to amazon prime which i've been meaning to watch for ages and apparently is great um so we're going to watch palm springs oh okay yeah i saw i saw a picture for this one i think i saw some people who i liked on it yes yeah it's got some got some good people in it um so yes i'm intrigued to see what that's like cool that sounds great um excellent all right well thanks a lot for tuning in we really really appreciate it i hope you enjoyed the prince and me um, or if you didn't watch it, then don't watch it. Yeah, don't don't bother watching it. <laughs> You're not going to miss out on anything. Um, you can find us on Twitter at Big Boys Don't Pod. Emails Big Boys Don't Grow Podcast at gmail dot com. There's a link in our show notes to where you can give us money, like a tip jar, and that's all that we need to say. So we'll be back next week to talk about Palm Springs. All righty. Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye. Oh, you had to do it in your British voice. Okay. Goodbye. Goodbye.